don't be in such a hurry. You have all your life doing things. It's so important to to learn where you are and, and most of all learn about yourself. Hi, my name is Baba and I'm excited to welcome you to the Bye Baba podcast, Out of Office, featuring unconventional career paths with influential stories. This podcast aims to rewrite the script in which careers are discussed and how success is defined. Hosted by our very own senior creative manager, Jennifer Pazzioni. With her international background in editorial and an unconventional career path herself, she asks the most thoughtful and interesting questions. Join us as we sit down to hear firsthand the journeys, lessons learned, and advice from creative forces who manifested their own way. Today I am out of office with Myla Pizzelli, co-founder and creative director of Swedish brand ATP Atelier, producing shoes and leather goods made in Italy. Having worked in fashion all her life and following a 13-year-long role as product director at iconic Scandi brand Philippe K, Myla decided to start her own brand and intertwine her passion for sustainability into her business model. Hi, Myla. Thank you for joining us on Out of Office. Thank you for asking me to be here. <laughs> I want to start um, from the beginning. What did you initially want to be when you grew up? That's a really interesting question because I think that when you look back, you can always see that there is a pattern. And uh, when I was a small kid, you know, I come from, from a family that there are no creatives, there are no entrepreneurs. Uh, this is business. My mother is a teacher and my father worked as a hotel director. But my grandma, I spent a lot of time with my grandma and we were like spending our days creating things for my Barbie dolls <laughs> and making houses and interior design and so on. So it was really a passion from when I was super, super small and I loved it. I really loved it. And it became like something that became a part of me. I didn't have anyone around me that was doing it, but I was like making my own clothes and looking ridiculous at school. And, and then eventually my, my, actually my mother told me that maybe you should work in fashion. Oh, wow. So it was kind of obvious, kind of the direction you were yeah, following. Yeah, even if I was not thinking of it as that at all. And when I started to work in stores, because you start like that. When I was only 15, I started to work extra in the weekends in, in clothing stores, more than fashion stores, to be honest. But, uh, you know, it was like I was home from, from the beginning within textiles and fashion and, and you know, retail. Uh, I really, really liked it. So it was never a decision. It was more like I was doing one thing that became something more and then you know, there were no other choices. But when I was really small, I thought I was going to be a teacher because my father, my mother was a teacher. She was a working woman and uh, and she was a teacher. So that was my role model. <laughs> Do you think if you weren't doing what you're doing now, you would be teaching or do you think you would be doing something else? Sometimes I, I think I am teaching. <laughs> I think I have those two parts in it, in me. Uh, I'm a mentor and a coach in many ways. I all, also had this um, consultancy agency that I helped other Swedish fashion brands. And also the, so the social part, like to work with people and to make a difference that has always been within me. So this balance of like 
business and and social part has always been super important for me. Which is also super nice because when you create your own company, you're really able to integrate all these different passions that you have and kind of marry it into the culture too. Yeah, I think I realized it when I was around 30. Uh, I had small kids and I was working in Philippa K. And, you know, one of those days that you wake up and you feel like, okay, should I really work with this? Fashion is super, you know, not deep at all. And you don't make any difference. What the hell does it mean if I choose this button or the other button? So I was really going to change career. And I was like, oh, I have to work with people. I have to work with helping people. And uh, and then I realized, no, I actually what I should do is to remain in the sector that I love, but to do a difference here. So, so I started out with that, and then eventually that grew into me initiating the sustainable work that we did in Philippa K very early, and also when I started, we started ATP Atelier, me and Jonas. That was so obvious that we had to start out with that. It couldn't be made any other way. Something you said there is hits at home for me um, because I feel like in fashion, a lot of people, they come to this moment where they kind of look in the mirror and they look at what they're doing with their day and they really question if they're doing something for the greater good, especially Mm. in the fashion industry where very easily things can become quite superficial Mm, or, you know, the stressful points of the day at the end of the day are maybe about garments Mm. when there's crazy things going out there in the world. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like that's, even in fashion school, that's a conflict that a lot of people at times yeah, come to. Yeah, and I realized quite early, I mean, when I was in the 20s, I didn't think that much about it because you're young, you're just having fun. But then growing up, I, that was really something that I was even struggling with. And, you know, it's an identity thing. Who am I? And what kind of difference can I do to the society? But then I realized that you can actually do it in small ways and big ways, and I had to do it my way. And uh, I don't know if I made any difference, but I, I try. And and I think when you once you start to think out of that perspective, um, you cannot turn back. Going back to your parents, mm-hmm. with the careers that they had and that you kind of looked to when you were younger, do you feel that you were taught either by them or through school or other influences? to follow a more conventional career path? Actually not. My parents have always been supporting me. Uh, of course, when you're younger, their references are their references and, and working in fashion was not their reference. And also starting my own company was for sure not their reference. So I've been taking part that they have never done, but they have always like been proud of me and, and supported me. And my, my mother was the one that pushed me and said, okay, I think it's better that you study something within the industry because this is what you should do, you know? She was not expecting me to be like a lawyer or a doctor or anything else, not at all. I think a lot of, I think that's super rare. Mm. I think a lot of people have parents that project onto them or have expectations of Mm. what they should be when they're older and that can give a lot of pressure when growing up. I think having parents that really push you to follow something that you love is, is actually pretty rare. Yeah, but what I did get from my parents, my mother has always been like 
confirming me and saying that I'm the best in the world. And But my father, he was always challenging me and saying, but you have to work really hard to make a difference and this is not hard enough. So the first job I got, uh, I was 13 years and I actually took my the head of my dad to get me to work in his hotel and he said you're too young and I said I'm, I'm, I can do anything I can just do anything I just wanted to start to work I wanted to make my own money and then he said okay okay after a while but then you have to start from the bottom so I was working in the breakfast in the hotel and making eggs and cleaning out the tables in the morning I was 13 years old and then in the evening before he said to me I said oh, I'm going out with my friends he said no you're not you're getting up five o'clock in the morning, so you're going to bed. <laughs> and oh, I was so frustrated and angry, you know, we were 14 years old. But um, so, yeah, they have had expectations on me, but not in a way that I, what I should do, but what I, whatever I should do, I should do it good. Yeah, in a way, they definitely instilled work ethic. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what motivated you initially to launch ATP Atelier? Actually, I'm a late bloomer because I launched OATP Atelier in 2011 and I was like 48. So I started my first company when I was 45. So I was working for a long time for other people. Even if now that I look at myself, I can really see myself as an entrepreneur. And I think I've always been. But I was lucky to work many years in Philippa K where I was um, allowed to really be part of building uh, an entrepreneur uh, way. And um, so it was like when I finally did it, it was like, yeah, this is what I've been waiting for on one hand. But on the other hand, I was not ready at all to launch my own brand. I thought that was something that you do when you're young. Um, and then it was Jonas, that is the co-founder in ATP, and he had history of, of uh, creating Way Red. And he told me, why not? I mean, we can do so many good things together. And I said, yeah, maybe, but you know, for me, it's not just starting a brand. Or oh, we have like a great idea that you cannot resist. Or I'm not interested to put another brand again out of this. Why should there be more brands? There are so many beautiful brands and so many beautiful clothes and shoes and everything. So I was really, really, really skeptical. <laughs> and he was insisting. And then we went for this fantastic holiday in Italy. We always go to Italy in the summer. And he came with his family. And during that summer, we had this idea of why doesn't exist um, a sustainable, affordable, I mean, valued for money, uh, shoe and bag brand. Uh, there were some Swedish brands. I mean, this, this Scandinavian community is very much about quality and price uh, consciousness uh, but there were no brand in shoes and bag that was doing that there was a lot of of course Italian and French brand doing that but that was really really expensive so he said what if we do something that is more accessible and uh, but still sustainable and do it with like the Scandinavian design and Italian handicraft Oh my God, then we have something. And then I, then, then no one could stop me. Once we got the idea, it was like we have been running since. So for me, it's like, oh, you have a great idea that you can't resist to or you don't do it. <laughs> and at what point from when you first had the idea and the, and the vision to when you officially debuted the brand, what was that timeline like? Okay, this idea came in the summer 2010. 
And actually, I was still hesitating because we were going home and I was working so much as a consultant with other Swedish brands. I didn't have any time left. And uh, Jonas also had some other projects. So it passed on six months and I said, oh, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. I cannot put the time in this. And then I went away for winter holidays in Mexico, in Tulum, actually. And this was like in 2010. Yeah. So it was still early in Tulum. And when I was there relaxing again, I was like, yeah, this idea with these sandals, I can, I have to do it. So we, I came home and said, okay, let's do it. So the decision was taken in like February 2011. And we launched it at um, in Copenhagen, uh, this trade show called Gallery at that time, called Revolver Today. And we were given the chance by the owner. He believed in us and he said, yeah, yeah, of course, I will give you a stand. And we made a beautiful installation with pink um, suitcases where we put all the shoes on. And Jonas was there. I was still in Italy. And he, he called me and he said, it's a success. It's a success. <laughs> the wow. stand is full of people. And uh, so then we knew. And then actually the first season we got great accounts, really, really nice stores from like NK to Nitty Gritty to use Vibscoff. So we said, okay, we are doing something right. Yeah, you're definitely mm. onto something. Yeah. That's a that's a very rewarding feeling mm. when something you're so passionate about is really well received yeah. by others. Then you really know like, okay, this is something. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, something well sometimes when you feel something so strong, usually that's the case, you know. So yeah, that was that was really a fantastic uh, feeling. Even if we had put a lot of work during that spring developing the they've actually uh, the product was one part, but that was actually the small part. But we were developing the brand structure, the brand identity, our values, everything. We we and also most of all like the ATP Atelier women, women, and who she is, and how how she behaves, and 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 it's someone that we respect a lot. Is a woman with her own own parts in, in life you know she knows what she's doing she has her style uh, she's very very conscious of course but not only conscious of the latest trends but of course conscious in terms of the environment but also in, in conscious in like where you go and eat with where is the best restaurant she make her research she knows you know it's not about the money and how did you come to define this ATP woman I think that we we wanted to uh, have a customer that we were respecting. I mean, it's really, I mean, someone that we could also look up to and say like, okay, we are designing for this woman. And uh, and then, of course, I think it came very much from us, from me and Jonas and also my husband, Claudio. You know, we have Italian roots and Jonas's wife, she's from Turkey. We have been traveling a lot. We love Italy. So the things that is like good of life, you know, if we go wherever, we don't just hey, pick the first restaurant or, the you know, you make your research, you love to have an experience. So for us, it was really natural that this woman, of course, is it's like us. And circling back a second to when you called yourself a late bloomer in terms of founding your own company, mm. what is your advice there about when to start your own company? I think millennials in particular, this generation, I think they, they face a lot of pressure 
of starting something that's their own very, very early on. I think social media plays a big role in this. You're seeing others doing this really wonderful things mm -hmm. at a very early age. Uh, you start comparing yourself. Yeah. Uh, the Forbes 30 under 30 mm -hmm. starts to put pressure on people. I think for our generation, there's definitely pressure there. And interestingly enough, my father is an entrepreneur. And since we were little kids, he's always stressed, don't rush into ever starting mm -hmm. something on your own. It's really, really important to take those years to learn from others first, mm -hmm. because when you're on your own, you're learning basically from your mistakes. Yes. And there's nobody above you, you know, that you're learning from mm -hmm. necessarily on a day to day basis. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I'm also late bloomer because I was afraid and I had no entrepreneurs around me. Uh, so it was really, really scary to make something of your own. But I, I really, because I've also been like a mentor and coaching people and I always say that don't, don't be in such a hurry. You have all your life doing things. Uh, learn, but it's not only being an entrepreneur, even if you want to make a career or whatever you do, it's so important to to learn where you are and, and most of all learn about yourself. I think that is the most important thing in life, that to learn about yourself, who you are, uh, how, how are your behaviors, how you interact with other people, really to learn to learn yourself, uh, to know yourself, because that will help you in your career, whether you and then you can decide if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you work with someone else, it's different. It's nothing that is better than another thing. I think you're made for different things. And it also can be a lot of pressure, not only in entrepreneurship, you have to be so successful so early. And I think our generation, we were for sure much more relaxed. We were like, oh, oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I have never had any career plan. <laughs> It's and it's absolutely true. And I always been doing what I love, and then I did the next thing I love, and then the next thing I love, and then that gave an opportunity and opening a door. And then I love opening doors. So it, one door brings you to the next. You never know what's behind next door, and just do what you love, and be really good at it. And for sure, that will bring you doing good things. Totally. Mm. I think that's another thing too. I think today being a founder, being an entrepreneur, is like a a sexy career, you know, and that's also something that everybody feels maybe that's what they need to eventually do. And and something that's less highlighted is just somebody following a, a, a career path mm. within a company mm. and finding fulfillment there. Absolutely. Because a lot of people do. Absolutely. And then I also, I'm, I'm actually very, very happy that I had the experience I had when I started my company to have helped me and not only me, my company, the people that work for the company in so many ways. Just, just the thing when the company is growing and you have people and how to put up an organization, I can see that quite often. You're super young, you start a company, it's going well for you because it's you. And then all of a sudden you have like 10, 20 employees and you have to like lead other people. And maybe not you, not so good at that because you're not so good at leading yourself. And then all of a sudden it becomes messy and people are unhappy and, and you get a lot of frustration and maybe the company doesn't even work so well any longer. So I think that like management is something really good to know before starting your own company. Do you feel that through your years working for others, it made you better fit to 
own your own company and understand your team and needs. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, uh, the first years I was working in Goldblad, it was a really cool brand in the 80s, <laughs> 70s, 80s in Sweden. So I was young, but then in Philippa K, I was working for 13 years and, and uh, I learned so many things there uh, about managing people. I, also of my mistakes because, uh, and I'm still making mistakes because you never stop doing that. You never stop learning. But of course, it has been a great uh, advantage. Something that you have always been transparent about is ATP's growth on a sustainable level. Mm. Um, especially over the years. I think today a lot more innovation exists in terms of sustainable processes. And ATP has definitely, in my eyes, put a lot of effort towards being part of the future and really tapping into these wonderful new innovative resources. Can we talk a little bit about this? I think mm -hmm. also talking about pressure, mm -hmm. a lot of brands face so much pressure to be like 100% sustainable mm -hmm. from the start. And honestly, it is a process. And yeah. it's sometimes the best a brand can do is being transparent about their process of getting better. The first thing that is important is to start. <laughs> and if you're starting a new brand, I think it's super important to think of it out of a sustainable perspective from the beginning. It's nothing that you do later. You have to do it from the beginning, but of course a bigger company have different resources to organize themselves and to put structures in these policies and documentations and everything. But And also for myself, coming from Philippa K, where we built up all this, I, I knew when I started I will never ever be able to do what, they, what we did there. Um, so we said, okay, what can we do that is simple? Okay, we can choose material that is sustainable. And uh, and in leather, it's actually uh, so many things that are not sustainable. So it was also a question, why should we even do leather? So we said, okay, if is there anything? Yeah, there's one thing. It's vegetable tan leather. There is actually natural tanned uh, leather. So we said, okay, we start out of that. But we didn't know that much of leather. So we realized after a while, my God, this is so stiff. It's not soft at all. There's a lot of designs you cannot do in this leather. Then the behavior of the leather, it was, you know, changing colors. And it was like, oh, it was so challenging. But and so many times we're like, oh, my God, we cannot we cannot stick to this. But we had made this promise, so we had to stick to it. And then we adapted the design to the material. And that also became our look and our strength. So I think that by sticking and not trying to do everything and, and have your limitations. And of course, uh, we don't have a sustainable report to present. And, uh, the, and I'm sometimes even afraid to talk too much about, I mean, to be sustainable in our company today, 85% of our products are actually made in, in um, sustainable leathers, which is amazing. 50, 15% is not because it's suede. It's prints and so on. And today there's no way of doing that. But we have decided to have it in the collection anyway because it adds something. And otherwise it would have looked too flat. And it's super important to have these funny things in, in the collection as well. So now what we have, we're actually launching um, 
it is not a new concept. It's like redefined uh, concept. It's all about what we stand for, but we have named it uh, again, and we call it smart luxury. Because for us, smart luxury is because sustainability is a little bit dry, and it seems to talk only about like the leather or the material or the environment. While we think that sustainability is so much more, for me, it's so much more. It's about how you look at society, going back to what we talked before, how you look at society, how you're hiring people, how you are, are um, growing your company, how you make the people grow, where from where you are, you are recruiting them to the leathers, to how you work with your suppliers, to how you transport. It's so wide. So we said all this and also the price of the product, it has to be cost enough that you invest in it but it doesn't have to be overpriced and it's not accessible for everybody so all these values for us was like but this is smart luxury this is not this is not mass this is for the people that really can see the difference and for us that is smart luxury i love that because i think i think that's really the direction in shopping right now and mm. where it's headed i think while on on many cases it's it's super important to be sustainable but it doesn't just stop there yeah. and now consumers are really looking deeper into companies what are their values who are they supporting who are they hiring mm. is diversity included throughout their company not just in their campaigns mm. i mm. think people are really looking at like brands on a very holistic level now yeah that's really interesting actually our team that is amazing i mean it's the best team i ever worked with and i work with some pretty good teams uh after a while when we were growing we realized like oh this is so interesting we have like we have only girls almost so we are not so diverse <laughs> in, in terms of gender but for the rest it was uh, and a lot of them most of them were really, uh, quite young around 30s but for the rest they had so different backgrounds they were like okay you're from iraq and you're from iran and you're from slovakia and you're from whatever indonesia and so on and and my husband is from italy and john so we were like how come this happened and then we realized that we have never had a, a strategy in like, oh, now we have one from Iraq, so now we hire another one from Iraq. <laughs> the strategy has been actually that it has been super important to recruit people that are open-minded, that have different kind of experience, that can see things in, in different perspective and bring something on the table. Even if they're young, they have like a life experience. And that has been super important when recruiting. And of course, when you think like that, you will not recruit everybody that are the same or think the same or coming from the same background. That is the result. So, yeah. So we have a fantastic team and we have a lot of fun. <laughs> With your team, who I can say firsthand is incredible. Mm. Um, throughout the diversity amongst your team, do you notice through like everyday workflow that there's like a different synergy because people are bringing such different perspectives even to to huge ideas and concepts and you know small details of your day to day absolutely i mean that's the whole thing if you are open minded and you hire open minded people that are not um, afraid uh, and can see things out of perspective and don't have prestige 
because many of them come also from families that they have been taught, you know, to like also again work hard, but stand up for yourself and and take your space and and that has really brought people that are doesn't matter. I mean, I would say that all of the girls in my office are creative in some way, even if you are like an accountant or even if you are working with logistic. Um, because they have different perspective and they don't say like, oh, I'm one thing or another. You know, I, I work with logistic, but I'm a passionate uh, photographer or I work with accounting, but my big passion in life is making keftons for modern Arabian women or I'm an accountant, but I'm also an influencer uh, and you know, and whatever it is, and so on, and and or I'm from north of Sweden, and I, I know how to hunt, <laughs> or I, I mean, there, it's there's so many stories, and most of the time we we are having our head office in Södermalm, and around there there's so many good restaurants, but actually most of the girls are eating in the office, even going out and bringing something to the office, and then they sit around the table and they are laughing and telling so many stories about everything and uh, that's the best so i think that all that together brings uh, creativity to the company so everybody can it doesn't just in within their their area everybody can like bring something to the table even if things that are outside there's there's speciality definitely mm. i think that's a huge thing for a founder of a company to recognize that everyone on your team no matter what role has creativity within them mm -hmm. um, because I think a lot of people don't think that way. And I mm -hmm. also think people don't think that way about themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm reading a book called The Artist's Way mm -hmm. and it's this book about creativity, how it's not just for this small percentage of people. Really, everybody has creativity within them and it, they're just kind of blocking themselves. Mm -hmm. And there's little tools and practices that you can do every day to just open up your creativity and you'll mm. see it kind of like find its form. So I think that's that's really inspiring to to notice that everybody, whether it's a finance role or a manufacturing role mm. or design, everybody has some level of creativity. I also think that that's because that's the thing with myself. You know, I started as a buyer uh, and I love the business part and love the structural part and building. Uh, but I was also holding back my creative part because I thought, ah, the people are better on that. You know, I should do this thing and so on. So that was also the reason why I was a little bit late bloomer. I said that, oh, that's not me, you know. And and then when I really released that part of me, I saw that, yeah, for sure I have it in. I, and I looked back and I looked back when I was a small kid. I was like, yeah, it's always been there, you know. I just put it away for a while. So two cultures are very dear to you, both personally mm. and professionally, and that's the Swedish culture and the Italian culture. Yeah. And I think, I don't think, it's very evident that both of these cultures are really woven into the DNA of ATP Atelier. How did you marry these two so cohesively? Because on one hand, you have like Scandinavian minimal minimalism, and on the other, it's the Italian maximalism. <laughs> and it's kind of like the modern day yin and yang uh, <laughs> that you've married together. I mean, it's a long story, but actually Italy has always been very close to me because both my mother's sister married Italians. And when I was a kid, I said, I will never marry an Italian. But then I met my husband that's Italian when I was 17. So Italy has like came to me whether 
I wanted not, and I I I loved it. You know, I I lived actually in Italy when I was like three months because my parents were working as tourist guides. Uh, so when I was one of my first words was in, was in Italian, and uh, what was the word? <laughs> it was actually mastica. That means eat. <laughs> <laughs> because I, yeah, it's a long story, but I was ill for a while, so I was eating n- not enough. So I was super, super, super skinny, and I was a baby, so they were super worried about me that I didn't eat enough. So it was like, eat, 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 eat. And actually, the the passion for food is really coming from my childhood in Italy. When I was home in Sweden, I didn't eat much, but when I came to Italy, I was eating like mussels and shrimps and all kind of like not children stuff but you know that was what i loved and uh, then i moved to italy when i was 19 when i met my husband and we we stayed there for a couple of years and then since then i always been working with italy so it's been like it's a part of me and now i'm married married actually today for 31 years uh, with my husband and and that, of course, has... But even if I, it wasn't for him, I think Italy would still be like a super important part of me. So also when we created the brand ATP Atelier, I mean, the idea came in, up in Italy, in south of Italy. And Jonas is a big uh, fan of Italy and the food and everything that comes with it. So I think that this culture that is quite laid back in Italy and... I would say that they have a lot of challenges to live there and the Swedish, like more structural, responsible, you know, the, all of this thing about sustainability and everything. But it's the contrast. Again, it's like what we talked before about the people. It's the contract, con- contrast between like creativity and structure and, and chaos and order and, and yeah. So I think that's that's very much maybe my personality and... And some people say to me that I'm more Italian than my husband. (laughs) (laughs) I think this might be true. (laughs) But I love that. I think it's it's a mentality that you don't have to compromise and you can Mm. have it all. You don't have to be one or the other. You Mm. can be a part of this and a part of that. Yeah. I think that has been very much our value from the start from me and Jonas uh, that why should we choose when we can have both the best best of two worlds uh, not only in Italy and Sweden but in many things where do you find inspiration I actually find most inspiration from people uh, interacting with people I think I, I also get energy uh, out of that uh, but for sure, I get and and by saying that, you know, learning new things is inspiring me. We have just bought a very very old house in Italy that we are going to to put together because now the ceiling is falling. In. <laughs> it's a typical project that you know that you have to start from the beginning, and I love that. That is so inspiring, you know, to to learn how to, how you make the doors as you did once in a time or how the floors are made of cochopesto that was invented during the Romans in you know 2000 years ago and I love this thing I love to learn new things or when I we started a company you know I love to learn everything about social media how does it work and um, so I think that is inspiring me a lot to learn new things and to and that you do by 
meeting other people. And that's really a level of curiosity. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. I'm very curious. <laughs> what would you say is your higher mission with ATP? Uh, for sure, our our mission has been from the beginning to to. Uh, as I said, I would never been interested to put in just another brand on the market. Uh, and our mission is actually to inspire women to make smart choices. And by saying that, I don't know, even if we make shoes and bags and in some years, maybe we do something completely different because it's the product, it's like the result of what we're doing. And, and the mission is also to create and build something that makes a difference that can sound quite, I don't know, uh, easy but I really think we can do that not only by our product but also the way we are building it and with the people that we are doing and uh, to do it in a in a smart way uh, and to be around for a long time I think that's very difficult but also very special to kind of keep your expectation open mm. um, rather than kind of have a vision and you're really stuck and married to that mm. vision and to rather just you know have the the ideal destination in mm. mind but kind of how you get there or if you change course or change direction you know that's okay yeah and for us many people ask me how big are you going to become and I think I always say like <laughs> you know I think we have huge potential <laughs> but it's, it's not about the size. It's about reaching out to as many as possible that really would appreciate and uh, appreciate what we are doing and how we're doing and what we are doing. If that thousand women or 10,000 or 1 million, we will see. Um, uh, but I, I do think that there are a lot of them out there. So it's more a way of how, how to get there and mm -hmm. how to be clear in this mad world. <laughs> yeah. And... and go through it's about the impact exactly exactly so i'm curious going back to your parents and not putting kind of a projected conventional career path on you mm. and you as a mother mm. and how you've parented um your <laughs> children maybe you should ask them <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but this, of course, this this model of how my parents did with me, and and I mean, both me and my husband come from backgrounds that are not creative, no entrepreneurs, and nothing. Uh, my my husband is a creative, and so I think we already came out like we never know what they will do. They will do, and uh, we have been very open, but wanted to support them. But actually, both of them are working in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to ask them why that happened. But I think that they thought it was actually quite, I mean, the creativity is something, none of them are working as the typical creatives, but they are working in the creative world. And they, I think they got a bit from us. They are both business minded and, but also like this world and, and are creative. And uh, actually both of them working with shoes. <laughs> Definitely my daughter my daughter is actually working with me. She started since six months and she was working in H&M for some years. So she made her own experience and then 
eventually she was ready. She, I did not expect that from her at all on the on the opposite. Uh, but we talked about it, and then one day she said, "Yeah, I think I'm ready." And that's scary, but it's her choice, and I'm of course very happy about it. And our son, he also works in the industry at sneakers and stuff, and working with ecom and. And he's really good at what he's doing and, and traveling and yeah. So that's good. They have made their path. <laughs> but it's not easy. And I always say to them, you know, just you try and if it's not working, you try something else. What is the best piece of career advice that you've ever received? Um I I don't remember exactly like one advice. Uh, but I think that what I've been listening at is like to listen to your heart and do what you really have a passion about. And uh, and then sometimes people have confirmed and made me understand my value. I think it's more about that. I had had people uh, that have really made me see uh, my capacities and, and my potential. And uh, I think I needed that. I needed someone else to say, like, my God, you're great. You can do everything, you know. And uh, not because my parents didn't say, but they didn't understand my area. So from people in the industry that have said that to me has been super, super important. Like, my God, you're great. You can do anything. <laughs> my father always says, um, since we were little, to do what you love and the money will follow. Yeah, yeah. And what is money? How much money do you need in the end? Not so much. True. <laughs> and our final question, you're out of office. What do you do with your day? Me and my husband, we love food. <laughs> so we actually like put a lot of effort in like eating or preparing to eat and so on. A uh, little bit more going out now than before. Uh, we travel, but most of all, we, I mean, we interact with family and friends and we have a very easy way of living. We are living in Sudamans neighborhood and Saturday morning we are like waking up. My husband is going to play tennis. I wake up myself and then we meet up at 11 o'clock in a cafe called Il Cafe. Where actually a lot of our friends are just hanging out there every Saturday since like I don't know how many, at least five years. Like every Saturday morning you go there and you meet like five to 20 people that you know. We eat coffee, coffee together and that's the best without no expectations. You had, you can go if you want. If you don't want to go, you don't. Uh, but you're interacting again, taking an inspiration and they are doing all kinds of different things. They are, some of them are actors, some of them are business people, some of them are artists, yeah. And that's what I do with my time off. <laughs> <laughs> Follow-up question. Will there be an ATP Atelier cookbook one day? <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> yeah, I'll copyright it. We talked about travel book. and uh, yeah, yeah, but you can see. We can do so many things. Yeah, yeah maybe that's a good idea. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> Thanks for joining my conversation with Myla. You can follow her brand on Instagram at ATP Atelier and explore the collections at www.atpatelier.com. Thank you again for tuning in to the Out of Office podcast. Hit subscribe to keep up with us and of course rate or share with a friend. Out of Office is not just a conversation with our guests. 
It's also a conversation with you. Send us your career questions to hotline at buybaba.com and we'll answer them in our upcoming episodes. This podcast was produced by Tinka Media and music was brought to you by Blue Dot Sessions.